Quack, quack, everybody. We got a really fun one here because we got one of our absolute favorite guests that we get on this show year after year. Always a fun listen. Always fun to talk to him. Um, it's, and that's saying something, especially because his team, as a fan, has probably not been the most fun to watch. It's probably been a little bit heartbreaking, I imagine. At the same time, though, we wanted to bring on Jack Barsh of the Ralphie Report because I want to congratulate him. I mean, it took me too long, but congratulations on winning the Super Bowl, a.k.a. that game against Cal. Because that was yeah. one of one of my absolute favorite games. I was not watching Tennessee, <laughs> Alabama. I was watching Cal, Colorado. Well, of course, it's scintillating television. Um, and you know what? <laughs> I'm glad we can spend the next three hours breaking down that game, snap by snap. Absolutely, I'm down. <laughs> uh, Preserving I, it so that w- the University of Washington is the only uh, Pac-10, Pac-12 team to go winless is that was the real worry because even yeah. the 2012 CU team beat Wazoo. So uh, you know there was exactly there was worries that this was the year that the winless. Go I've got a little conspiracy theory that, you know, since all three of Cal's top coaches, you know, Wilcox and Musgrave and Sermon are former Oregon players that like mm-hmm. they've been taking dives against Arizona and then Colorado this year just to keep that alive. I like well, I, I mean, I appreciate that if that is the case. Um, I didn't realize there's so many or, so much Oregon pedigree there. Yeah. Um, but hey, more power to him if that's true. Ty Willingham stands alone. And, you know, like Bill Musgrave uh, helped Colorado in a way too win that game, definitely, <laughs> specifically. Um, no, but my man, apparently Hithaday wants to go through uh, this roster instead of just breaking that game down. So we'll have you on in the off season, just a three-hour recap. Just, just really you know I love those the storming the field I love it was absolutely deserved I did I really that. liked it were I you did. there were yeah. you there and I stormed the field that's great I gotta Always say storm. it has been it's been fun watching Arizona or Colorado games you know because. Uh, th- Folsom Field's always full, you know, like this hasn't been a you know great season, hasn't had a great season in a while, but like, you know, over the last couple of years, I've been, I, I've watched, I've watched Washington go four and eight. I've watched USC go four and eight. I've watched Arizona state have disappointing seasons. I've watched a lot of teams have really disappointing seasons. Hell I've watched UCLA have a pretty good season and mm-hmm. I look up in the Rose bowl and there's maybe 10,000 people there. And like, here's Colorado you know, winless Colorado taking on Cal and it's a whiteout and they were a sellout. Yeah. And, and, uh, same with Arizona state, you know, um, Absolutely yeah, love it. yeah, I don't know what happened, but even when I was in, in school and we were better than this, uh, see, <laughs> so you didn't, the student section especially didn't show up like this showing up now. I don't know what flip switch was flipped, but um, student section is like fourteen thousand full every single game, every single quarter, and I don't, I don't get it, but I'll, whatever. Like, I'll is take it the... weed legalization? Does that have um, anything to play? I, uh, no, I'll look into I think it. That oh. happened when I was there, and I don't think that. At least, mm-hmm. it, maybe it's a slow burn. No pun intended. Yeah, sometimes but... it takes a little while to kick in. I, I found that. Too. <laughs> um, yeah, so let let's break into uh, the team that will upset the number eight Oregon Ducks this Saturday. It's coming. I mean, I was you know I was on Adam's show uh, yesterday morning, and I kind of went on a little rant about. Monster how, like, Tiger. 
no, no, Chimay, this right. Adam okay. show. Okay. The good Adam. I was like, okay. I personally yeah. consider all this my show. Podcast but... round. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, he does I, go on about every other podcast that's ever been made. About yeah, I get, college I get sports. pimped out a lot. Like whenever we need a guest, Adam is like, "Here, why don't you do this guy's show?" You know. Yeah, <laughs> I'll send you my Beth Hithle day. Um, uh, it. it you know, the rant that I went on is that I, I think that Colorado is a better team than their record indicates, um, and that a lot of what one in seven is about is a bunch of like pretty wild stuff, right? So, number one, they had probably the most difficult non conference in America, right? Like, I would probably say number one in terms of uh, at a conference because they, you know, they opened against TCU, like mm-hmm. playoff bound TCU, right? They play Air Force at Air Force, you know, which is probably going to win the Mountain West. In a gross, rainy day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh my, it was like super weird. It was like misty rain. And yeah. Like, I was there. It was awful. And there was like a billion fumbles in that game. Both teams had a goal line fumble. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I was waiting for one of the great old ones to like break out of the nearby mountain. Like it was like inside <laughs> of an HP Lovecraft novel. It was so weird. Um, and then, uh, and then Minnesota at Minnesota, you know, mm-hmm. it's like who made this schedule, right? Like there's no, there's no easy G5 team. There's no FCS cupcake. It's just like, oh my God, you know, ridiculous. And then, um, and then they open against their conference schedule against UCLA, which like, I think that they probably didn't think that UCLA was that good of a team at the time. Cause they were just coming off of a one point win against South Alabama. Like they hadn't become the UCLA that everybody's afraid of yet. Um, so like that sort of looked like a worse, you know, loss than maybe it should be considered, uh, and, you know, and then, and then after the Arizona game, they fire the coach, you know, uh, they fire the defensive coordinator. Um, they have gone through three different quarterbacks. Um, one of whom has now transferred out Brendan Lewis. Um, and, uh, you know, to, to the point where like, I'm really just treating like the last three games, you know, under the new staff and under the JT shroud quarterback regime, even though Owen McCown played like the first half of that Cal game, um, as like the real Colorado, you know, cause that's the Colorado they sort of expect to see on Saturday. Um, okay, right. Yeah. Um, but like, anyway, just sort of upshot of this is just, just like, and there's a couple other effects that I think the schedule has that we'll talk about a little later in the podcast. But just as the upshot of that is like, oh, oh, and then the other thing that's been weird about this team is like every game seems to have like a lot of bad luck for Colorado. Like, you know, I, you know, one of the things about charting games is that like you can you can actually like keep track of like, ooh, that play shouldn't have gone that way. You know, and you can sort of keep track of a, a you know, a bad luck quotient. Colorado's had a, like a really bad luck, you know, kind of a lot of, you know, balls bouncing the wrong way on them. Um, and uh, I really feel like if this were, if you took this exact roster and, you, but you just gave them a normal football season, you know, like a normal at a conference that had some winnable, you know, cupcake games and, uh, you know, they didn't fire the coach, you know, they, they stuck with the quarterback the whole way. They didn't have like 40 yard punt fumbles go the wrong way. You know, like if this was a normal season, I think this would be like a three and five or four and 14. Like, I don't think that this is like a huh. joke, like ridiculous team, like, you know, three and five is like the median, maybe like four and four. If they got some lucky bounces, you know, maybe two and five or okay. two, two and six. Do you, like do you disagree with me do you think this is oh, no, yeah. no, this team is a joke this team is awful and they don't do anything right yeah i i do disagree with you um and this <laughs> you have i guess this is a benefit of impartial watching but um yeah watching this team we can call it bad luck and maybe it it, it is bad luck um 
But I also just think there is a a disgusting amount of incompetence, at, at least at, uh, under Carl Durrell, that um, led to what we could call bad luck. Um, and I just don't think that they're winning any games in the Carl Durrell period this year. I don't care. What if, if they played an FCS team? You know, nope. what if they played bowling? <laughs> like, what if they played UCLA's out of conference schedule? Like UCLA went three and zero instead of zero and three in their out of conference schedule. It was against Bowling Green, Alabama State, yeah. and South Alabama, who I think like the highest rated of any of those in Sagarin is seventy seven. Um, so, you don't think that Colorado would win any of those games? I think if you gave Colorado Michigan's out of conference schedule, which is UConn, Colorado State, and Hawaii, CU is max two and one there. Um, mm-hmm. I just I think UConn beats CU. Um, but yeah, I, I like I, I you telling I, me Lamonius Craig alone doesn't get you three non conference <laughs> So unfortunately, he cannot play quarterback a la yeah. NFL Street. So that someone has, has to get been the ball. a big problem. Um, yeah, I look. I I am pretty down on this team because of what I've seen and how horrendous um, the losses were. Um, and I think that's kind of showing through in, in the bias here, but. Hmm. Um, if you recall, or I guess you watched them, like until that Cal game, CU's average margin of defeat was like 29 points or 30 points across the board. And oh, they yeah. played no cupcakes. You're, you are correct. TCU, very good. And people forget that CU was, I believe, down one or up one at halftime that game. Um, Air Force, always on the, on the road, is weird. They're always going to be weird to play anyways. It was a terrible day to start a new quarterback, but Carl developed it anyways. Um, and then at Minnesota, CU is not going to win that game ever um, with this roster. It's just not going to happen, um, which is true. But also, it's not like CU's October was full of murderers. Um, that is a really easy October for a team with a decent level of coaching and talent, in my opinion. Um, and the fact that CU wasn't close until they fired their head coach and defensive coordinator tells me a lot about how this – season would have gone regardless um so i i don't think i think actually somehow this team is either as good or better than last year's ceu team um which won three conference games at all at home but um i don't think that means they're going to be three and five or four and four in a different world in this year no way well i mean i guess i put it like i agree with you in the sense that like you know uh uh, Arizona and Arizona State were winnable games and Colorado didn't win those games and like you know in the in the world that we live in uh where they had the non-con that they did and they had the luck that they did and they fired the coach and played the quarterbacks that they did like you know if you want to win more than one game those were your opportunities and they didn't happen and so if you want to be down on them like I'm not going to try to talk you out of it uh, that's mm-hmm. certainly you know your prerogative um and, and like look the rest of the schedule looks pretty bad you know like yes you know, Oregon at USC at Washington at Utah or Utah's at home um like yeah you that's know, a fun end yeah it's it and yeah, it's gonna be a blast but like uh 
I don't know, man. Like I, you know, when I, I, I am excluding garbage time, you know, when I run my numbers. Um, and so like, I am excluding <laughs> much of Colorado's play, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's <laughs> true. Um, but like, you're right about TCU, you know, that was six to seven at halftime, you know, like, I don't know. I just feel like there's enough. There, there's I'd say that game. the first couple of minutes of every single game, it is always a very close score too. You gotta admit <laughs> that Hitler day. The, the, I mean, here's, but you're right. It's the, you know, like, I don't think the Carl Durrell is a great influence on the team. Um, and, and firing him has probably been, you know, a good move. Oh yeah. I, I don't think, let's talk about the offense. Well, the, the oh, defense God. on the defensive side, I think the coaching change has been relevant, but I want to talk about that separately on the offensive side. I guess, first of all, the first thing that I wanted to say is that I've been really, really surprised with Mike Sanford jr. Um, like I remember when we talked in the summer, you know, going over like this is a disaster, you know, waiting to happen because he, mm-hmm. he runs this like really stodgy, like power run offense at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And it has sort of his other stops at, like Notre Dame, Boise State and so forth. And then when I turn on the Colorado film from the get go, I'm not seeing that stuff. I'm seeing an 11 personnel spread offense where they're throwing the ball and running, you know, read option plays. And, you know, it's Pac-12 stuff, you know, like it's mm-hmm. not like it's, it's particularly unique or anything, but it wasn't the like forces square peg into a round hole carl Durrell, you know let's see quarterback power you know kind of stuff you know what i mean did that surprise you too um somewhat yeah especially because i don't even know if the personnel fits that the best well in this team but um yeah we were i don't know if we were expecting full minnesota run it a million times like that's also pj flex deal mm-hmm. um i think he also likes to do that in minnesota so sanford was just kind of um chameleon chameleoning with that too um but I, I was also shocked and and especially now with him having a bit more i guess like overarching theme that he can he can put to the offense even if he's not calling the plays uh there's some tempo being thrown in which i was not expecting yeah, at all there's bit. um some strange motions being put into place yeah definitely um a little bit different looking than i expected um and i i think in terms of pure conceptualization, he is doing a better job than Darren Shiverini did last year, which I, once again, you know, what a low bar to jump over, but Hey, I know. But if you told me that like Mike Sanford would turn out to be, you know, uh, a a good stabilizing and force for the team, a and B that like, he'd be running a modern, you know, good looking, or at least like not stupid looking, you know, or not like a terrible misfit for the talent, you know, offense, you know, you could have knocked me over the feather. I would never have expected that. Um, (laughs) And here he is, you know, running the team. Um, I will say an important caveat to that is, uh, you know, last year's CU offense was one of the worst I've ever seen. Oh yeah. Um, Ended up with 18 points a game, which is 121st in the country. Um, This year's CU offense somehow is at 16 points per game good for 126 in the country so um we could i i do think conceptually it's better but it is not showing up <laughs> on the scoreboard um part of that's the, the schedule like you mentioned but it's not like he's lighting the world on fire and cu's uh, winning despite the points and scoring i mean fair enough no, I, but i guess what it really I, i'm saying here is that like in my opinion the coaching staff was it has the coaching change at the bye week right so it's, it's yes. the first five games with the old staff and then yes. the bye week and then the last three games week seven through nine with the new staff um or i guess the 
which is just the remnants of the old staff. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I think the coaching change has been pretty relevant on the defense. We'll talk about that separately on the offense. I'm sort of, I, I'm seeing basically the same thing yeah. where there has been, I think a really, you know, relevant change is all this quarterbacks uh, stuff, which didn't start at the bye week. Like they no. were, they were rotating these three quarterbacks through uh, JT Shrout, um, number five, the Tennessee transfer, Brennan mm-hmm. Lewis, who was like the kiddo um, who sort of, got the job by default after a bunch of guys got injured yeah. um, at, at one point, you know, in the past. And then the true freshman who's like really surprised me came out of nowhere was Owen McCown, mm-hmm. um, who I think is Cade McCown's kid, right? Josh McCown's kid or Josh McCown. Um, uh, so like, and like they had been, you know, that, that was, that was early. That wasn't something that happened, you know, uh, you know, with the new, with the, with the interim staff taking over, like, and so like, I've got JT Shrout games that go back all the way to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, here's the, and I think it does like pretty tremendously affect the offense because I think all three of those guys are pretty different quarterbacks or actually, I think that McCown and Lewis wound up playing fairly similar games, but Shrout is very different compared to McCown slash Lewis. Um, is that does that match up with your observations? Um, I would say McCown definitely throws it deep way more than Brendan Lewis did. Um, yeah, that's but true. I I think they both have similar tendencies about where to look for the first read. Um, and yes, you are correct. JT Shroud is definitely more different compared to those two. Um, just because I don't think he looks for someone unless they're twenty yards downfield. So yeah, I mean his it it his arm strength is for real. Um, and uh-huh. like at least once a game, he just sort of like my eyebrows hit my hairline. It's just like, wow, you yep. know, but like, he's also throwing about that hard when he needs to put a, like a five yard touch pass on a crosser. Oh yeah. You know? and, like he's just, uh, he's, he's not very accurate, you know, is the big problem. Like, yeah. ASU game is a great example of gigantic touchdown thrown on a dime on the run, um, 59 yards, like just a complete rope, unbelievable throw. Um, and then to your point, you know, third and goal, goal line fade, and he chucks in the first row of the stands. And you're like, I know. I a book, <laughs> like, I think most of those clips are going to be in my article. Cause it's oh, like, there you go. I was this, the same guy, you exactly. know, like, yeah. it's a, and, and here's the thing, you know, as I chart out the numbers, like the efficiency rate, I mean, look, dude, the efficiency rate for McCown and Lewis is not great. You know, it's a, you know, I had about a 35% or 36%, um, you know, pass efficiency rate, which is like, you know, 50% is average, 45% is below average, 40% is real bad, 35% is extremely bad, 25% I've never seen before. Like, <laughs> this is a really bad passing offense um, mm-hmm. under JT Shrout. And it's not like he's been, you know, the, the opponents he's been playing have been like world beaters either. Um, you know, it, it's uh, like uh, he's just a super inaccurate quarterback who occasionally throws the most amazing pass you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you're nodding your head along with me. You, you agree with that assessment? Yes, I, I think he's I think that he is, uh, I guess, at default, a very inaccurate quarterback. Um, and that makes it hard to be a quarterback. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think there are times, and I don't know what changes where everything lines wow, up. That's going to be my next question. <laughs> um, but, you know, another example, you might have this in your article, is the Arizona State game flea flicker. That was an interception. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, so what is he doing? Every single mechanic failed him there and just yeah. did a weird back foot, like fadeaway, like Kobe shot that ended up being a pick because it had no zip. And 
if that had zip, that might be a touch. Like, you know, there are, I don't yeah, know. If yeah, if he totally threw a rope, there was a, a, a hole in the zone, like, to throw it through. But instead, he, he gets this back foot rainbow, which is like, what are you doing, JT? Yeah, yeah. so he's a I, I, uh, mystery box, for sure. Um, McCown and you don't detect any sort of rhyme or reason for when you get good JT and when you don't? I, I have not seen anything, at least, yeah. like, mechanically, that he's consistent. Like, with Montez... It was a little more consistent. Stephen Montez, he's former quarterback. Yeah. It was a little bit you could kind of tell. Like when he got tired, the mechanics started dropping, and mm-hmm. that's when you get bad Stephen Montez. Um, but with, I don't, I, I do not know with JT Shroud. It's not like he's getting hit a lot. He's getting hit some, but it, it's he's kept more clean than Brendan Lewis was last year. Yes. Um, and it's you know he's not running a lot. So it's not like that's affecting. I don't. I really don't know. Yeah, it's um, just crazy. And so, the other yeah. thing about the other thing about Shrout compared to to McCown or, or Lewis is that he's just not the same runner. Um, mm-hmm. Like they basically don't have him doing uh, you know any at all um, uh, designed quarterback runs um, or even like read op or they'll run read option plays. But like even if the read is for him to keep it, he doesn't keep it. Um, and like I think it affects. I mean, I it, I think it brings down the rushing numbers. In fact, I know it brings down the rushing numbers. It brings them down by about nine percentage points in efficiency. Um, and and I think it's because defenses know he's not going to keep it, and sort of like affects it, it allows the defense to 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 do more things. Is that the matchup with your observations too? Uh, I I mean, I, yeah, I think very obviously McCown was the best solution for this offense because he was able to do both yes. semi competently. Um, yeah, so in in that way, yeah, just having a threat there, it was enough. Um, yeah, and and the fact that JT Shroud is, I don't want to say a statue, but he's not going to test the edges of a line, allows him to pin their ears back a little bit more, um, which becomes an issue when we talk about Colorado's offensive tackles, in my opinion. But um, yeah, I, I, the fact that he's not multifaceted and also not extremely efficient throwing the ball leads to bad things. <laughs> Well, I mean, um, yeah, yeah. I, that's, I mean, you know, when I run the numbers, it's very like, it's very, it's not like Colorado has a great offense with McCown in, but they have measurably like 10 percentage points in efficiency yeah. better in both passing and running, uh, you know, better with McCown in than with Shroud in. And I'm sort of left wondering why the hell is an Owen McCown playing? That's a good question. Um, he, I, supposedly he got somewhat hurt. Um, I think in the cow game. Um, well, yeah, because like Shroud had to finish that game. Yeah, basically half of it. And people don't quite know. They said it's an arm shoulder issue thing, but people don't quite know. Um, and you know, I don't want no conspiracy. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I will say, oh, McCown has played four games this year, and that's it. Um, and if we all do the math, that's when the red shirt rules stop applying. Well, is after that fourth game. So I I don't know. He might actually be hurt. He is very slight and is a true freshman. So shots definitely he feels the hits more than the other quarterbacks would. Um, but also, if we're looking towards the future, um, a red shirt might be nice. So I, on I this don't pod, know. conspiracy is fact. So thank you for bringing that. I mean, yeah, I don't think you need to be a conspiracy theorist. That's exactly how I read the tea leaves. I think they're looking. <laughs> I, I think they're looking at the last four games on their schedule and saying, 
you know what, these are going to be losses, you know, no matter what, there's no point in burning McCown's red shirt. And there's no point in, you know, potentially wrecking his development because he is, he's a tiny true freshman. Like he really needs to put on maybe like another 15 pounds worth of muscle in order to take the hits that he's going to take in the pack 12. Yep. Um, and like, you know, I, I think they probably, you know, you know, J.T. Shroud is just the sacrificial, you know, that's what you brought him in for from Tennessee in order to take these hits. Um, and, and so, like, even though, like, the, I don't know about conspiracy brain, but, like, you know, the the nervous Oregon fan in me is just like, this is what Colorado is going to do to win this game. They're going to put in, surprise, it's Owen McCown, and you've been planning for J.T. Shroud. Ha, 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 ha. But I don't think it's going to happen. I, you know, I think the coaching staff is probably taking the good guy route and are just preserving his red shirt because, you know, it would just be like, you know, what you increase your odds of winning this game by two percent, and and you know, I don't think it's worth it. Do you? Do you think so, I'm off base? I the other thing I'll say is uh, there's been another mysterious, hard to pin down injury for what I would consider CU's most exciting running back, Anthony Hankerson, mm. um, and he is also at that four games played mark. Um, who's and he is also a true freshman. So, I I, I mean. Am willing to guess that, like you said, Sanford is being a nice guy here and not sacrificing these red shirts um, to make his interim record look better. That well, is talk- that is a guess I'm willing to make. Let's talk about the running backs then. Um, you know, I, yeah, you know, Hankerson. It, it, actually, this has been an interesting running back room. I I rather like it. Um, and that's sort of a surprise to say, given like how many losses that they have had, right? Mm-hmm. Like. You know, basically the almost the entire running back room after last year left, um, you know, they had Ramon Jefferson for a minute and then he left, um, you know, Broussard left, Shai Clayton left, um, Alex Fontenot, I don't think has been healthy uh, this year. Um, He's been hurt since the Air Force game. Yeah. Um, and so what they've been putting together is, you know, Deion Smith, Jaylee Stacks, the walk on Charlie Offerdahl and the true freshman Anthony Hankerson. I like all four of those guys. You know, like, I actually think it's a pretty solid running back room. And if Hankerson, you know, wants to keep his red or if they want to keep Hankerson's red shirt, like, I don't, it's not like, I don't think Colorado is going to run out of, you know, decent running backs who can do what this offense needs them to do if they just have Smith stacks and offered all, uh, or do you think I'm wrong about that? Um, so yeah, it, it's, I, I like Deion Smith more than I thought I would. I think he's been an, a, a pretty nice, reliable piece. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm glad he's been able to get back on the field so quickly after um, a pretty freaky situation against Cal um, where he was just motionless on the field for a while. So um, glad to hear that that was more precaution than anything. Um, and and offered all was, was talked up all offseason. So I'm interested to see. I it just, you know, your classic walk on story, local kid comes on, you know, high school star. Um, and I, I think he makes good reads and, and hits the hole quickly. And you can do a lot with that. Um, <laughs> Jaylee stacks is still fine to me. Just a complete fire just, hydrant. Yeah, um, I know he's, he's a bowling ball. It's great. Yeah. And it's, it's, he's a kind of a throwback and which is, which is fun to see. Um, and, and I really like Hankerson. I think Hankerson has some really good pop. Um, it, you can see why he had so many offers before he tore up his knee in high school. Um, I, I really, I, I think you can do okay with this room. I think the most exciting piece is still injured and will not play this year. And Victor Venn, um, mm. I love what Victor Venn showed in, in high school. Um, and I think next year with the fully healthy Victor Wren, Anthony Hankerson, Jay Lee Stacks combo, that's really fun. Um, 
Yeah, so, I remember over the yeah. summer you were telling us that uh, Darian Hagan, the longtime Colorado running backs coach um, and national championship winner uh, yes. for Colorado, um, uh, just loves, you know, Victor Venn is looking forward to that guy. Um, yes. But I guess here's how I see it. And one of the reasons why I think that Colorado is a better team than one in seven, and, and maybe I got to talk you into believing me, but like, here's, here's how, what I've been seeing out of this offense, particularly over the last three games, is that like, their rushing efficiency is, it's not the best rushing efficiency I've ever seen, but it's efficient enough. You know, it's like the, over the entire season, it's about, it's just only a little under 50%. So it's like an average uh, rush efficiency, mm-hmm. which like, Hey, for Colorado getting to average, you know, sorry, sorry for the backhanded compliment. Um, I mean, compared to the passing offense, yeah, well, definitely. I think that the rushing uh, offense is efficient enough that if they stay on schedule, right? Like if they're just churning out five yard runs, which I definitely think this entire crew of running backs can do. Um, that that and the only thing the quarterback is required to do is occasionally hit some easy little pass or you know on a downward they can afford for him to take a shot like second and four for example you know like okay it's second and four jt you know take a shot to keep the defense honest and Mm -hmm. if you don't get it if you get it fantastic if you don't get it whatever it's third and four you know we trust stacks or offered all or smith in order to pick that up like they can march down the field they march down the field you know against uh cal they march down the field against arizona state you know like yeah. hell, they, you know I, I know that that punt return touchdown made that game closer you know than it really was but like arizona state wasn't really stopping colorado when they were on call when they were on schedule the problem is if they if they get knocked off schedule and they have to get JT Stroud to connect and they have to get the offensive line to protect him long enough, you know, for him to, to, you know, make a clean throw and he's got to throw to a receiver core, which is, let's face it. This is, you know, I, I, you know, a wide receiver core that's not the most talented in the pac 12, uh, you know, like that, that like, that's a low probability event that he's going to, you know, finish on third and 12. It still happens. And occasionally it's an amazing pass, but like, yeah, you know, like they, they really need the run game to keep them, uh, you know, ahead of the chains. Cause otherwise it's, you know, it's, it's punt city or hail Mary city. You know what yes. I mean? And, and CU scholarship punter was dismissed from the team or left the team. So Yikes. punt city is not helpful right now. Um, but do you like generally agree with that? Like Colorado can move the ball if the run game is keeping up with methodical <laughs> runs. Um, better than what they have been doing. I do agree with that. Um, you know, I think I, I think based off of what the, the spoilers I've read in your tweets, you agree. I think the offensive line is semi inconsistent in uh, allowing for holes to open up. But um, definitely, it's a, it, it's improved over last year's for sure. Um, I I don't know. CU's offense has moved the ball better than they did last year. It's just the points haven't been there, and the, the competition has been harder. Um, against Arizona State, like you mentioned, the competition finally wasn't that hard, and and even Cal. Um, mm-hmm. So you got you got to see some daylight for CU there. Um, and rushing is definitely where this team is more comfortable. They also run out of some some interesting formations. I, I kind of like a lot of their shotgun runs. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you that running is a more uh, consistent path to success than passing. But I also think that 
see or opposing teams are more than happy to sell out for the run. Um, because like you said, leaving this wide receiving team receiving group on islands, uh, will likely be okay. Well, I mean, that's exactly what Oregon state did. Yeah. Like Oregon state just put eight guys in the box and were like, and they've got a couple of, of decent cornerbacks and they were like, there's, you're not moving the ball, you know, on this. And then when, you know, they would get the ball, they, they, they just sort of, you know, they pound it and they'd keep it out of, uh, you know, Colorado's hands. And like, that was their strategy. And, uh, you know, it's a fine strategy, but basically I guess what I'm saying is that like, if you want to stop Colorado, you stop the run and then that's it. Like, it's sort of like, cause that's, that's gotta be their key to success. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to the offensive line, cause I do think the offensive line is probably the most interesting unit on this team, to be honest. Um, cause well, yeah, we'll talk about it. But like, I, you know, a couple things about the receiving core. Um, it feels like it's really narrowed down to a couple of guys, which has been sort of a surprise. This looked like actually pretty like deep wide receiver room. Maybe not the you know most talented in the universe, but like I, I sort of like this going into the year. And then like I haven't seen a lot of these guys. Like I haven't really seen Chase Penry. I haven't really seen Maurice Bell. I haven't really seen uh, Ty Robinson. I've seen a tiny little bit of Jack Stara, but not much. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, you know, and then, of course, they lost a bunch of guys over the offseason, you know, like Brendan Rice and Dimitri Stanley and Levante Chenault. Um, Daniel Arias has been there forever. Montana Lemonius Craig, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the fantastic name. Um, we've seen uh, R.J. Sneed, the guy who transferred in from Baylor, uh, you know, more and more. And then the true freshman who's, you know, sort of been taking over the team, Jordan Tyson. Mm-hmm. Um that's sort of it. Those are like the, the only four guys who are catching passes, Sneed, Tyson, Arias, and Lamonius Craig. Um, or did I miss somebody? Is there somebody injured but who's come back for this game, or what's the deal? Uh, I mean, Sneed has been kind of injured in and out. Um, but, yeah, in terms of pass catchers, it's pretty much narrowed into those, that group. Um, and like you mentioned, there's a lot of names, not a lot of solid names. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, last year, like Arius not... has got that tro- drop. Hold, hold on, hold on. Are you telling me Mon- Montana Lamoni's Craig <laughs> is not a solid name? Because I really look. He is a, he is a top two player on the team for me, regardless of the name. But yeah, his name definitely helps, especially. Um, you can tell just how much the, the PA announcers love saying it. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, he, he had that great catch against Cal too. He had like. A million great catch yeah. against Cal. Um, but yeah, he's he is very good. Um, and I, I think, like you said, Jordan Tyson has definitely stepped up and done a good job, um, which is, is, is good. I wish I still love Maurice Bell as a concept, um, but I think he's ever, always going to be a concept um, as opposed to an actual like football player I can watch. Um, and Daniel Arias, man, it's like you got everything, and then you know, you, and then he'll drop the ball. Just fail you. Yep. Yeah, I know. It's, he's time. good for like two drops a game. It's crazy. Yep. Um, he'll get open. He's huge, and then it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it's 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 annoying there. And then same, I, Ty Robinson and Chase Penry are, are still developing, so I'm right. not too worried about not seeing them. But you you got the names. It's going to be pretty much Tyson Lamonius great. Um, and then in terms of tight ends, uh. You know, I saw that Caleb Foria, um, who I believe that is Christian Foria's son, right? Yes. Um, I I saw him. It looked like he took an injury last yeah. week against Arizona State, and then we didn't see him for the rest of the game. Do you got an update on him? Is he okay? Uh, he, I, I mean, I think he will be okay. I don't think he's going to play no. um, against Oregon, or if he does, it'll be slight. Um, yes. But it's he also like he actually grades out pretty well on my tally sheet. He grades out better than Brady, Brady Russell does, and you know how much I love Brady Russell. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I actually, I really like this tight end room. Um, and we said that I said this in the off season, that there's a lot of guys who have what Brady Russell doesn't, which is just like height and speed. Um, yeah. Fourier is one of them, just a really good tight end body. And I also really like what I've seen out of Eric Olson so far this year. It hasn't mm-hmm. been much, but I think he's really um, going to be very good. But, but he's yeah. young, right? He's a, I think he's a redshirt freshman, yeah, right? He's a redshirt freshman. Um, yeah, but he is he and Fourier are both like that six six like Gronk style body, yeah. um, which is just super fun to watch. And you know, Russell's a lot more limited in his physical abilities. Yeah. Well, he's a former walk on, right? Yes. Yeah. For three years he was a walk on, I believe. All right, let's talk about the offensive line. Um boy, this is a confusing group. Like I, I might be <laughs> more confused about Colorado's offensive line than anybody else in the Pac 12, and that's saying something. Um, um so first of all, there's just been a ton of rotations, you know, for this group. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the the two guys that we've seen consistently have been the two guards, uh, Casey Roddick on the left side and yes. uh, Tommy Brown, Tommy uh, Brown. Uh, underwear model and sometime right guard. That's correct. Um, and then at center, uh, we've seen a couple different guys. We've seen, uh, well, basically splitting time between 64 and 55. Uh, um, Austin Johnson, I think Van Wells, the, yes. the, the true freshman, right? Yes, he is a true freshman. Um, what's the deal with the center? Like, usually want to have just one center. What's what's up with that? Well, it was three before the year with, with Noah Fenske also being in that Oh, group. yeah, that's right. He was um, playing early. I, I saw him against TCU. Yep. So I'm glad that they narrowed it down. But I, I don't. I don't know why they're splitting time. I, I mean, Van Well, like you said, is a true freshman, um, which might put him behind. Like maybe there's some teams or some like defensive schemes that they don't like him calling protections for. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, I, I personally like what I've seen out of him, especially for a true freshman. I think he's going to be very good. Um, I, you know, he's not uh, Penny Sewell, but I, as a true freshman, I, I like that. What, what I've seen. Um and I think there's definitely some some huge potential there. I also don't mind Austin Johnson. I think Austin Johnson is going to be a really good interior line piece for the next few years. Johnson um, is the, who they went with the last game, but they yeah. they went with Wells, um, you know, against uh, Oregon State um, and Cal. Uh, do you mm-hmm. you got a prediction about which center we're going to see in this game? I have no prediction about All which right. center we're going to see in this game. Unfortunately, I hope it's Wells. I really like Wells. I, I'm you know trial by fire, but maybe that's maybe that's a good reason for him not to play. Uh, against and, and then it looks like there it's been there's been playing three different dudes at the, at the two tackle spots. Um, I've been seeing Jake Wiley uh, for most of the season yep. uh, at right tackle. Um, he's been around for a while. Um, and then I've been, well, at least in the most recent game, they were splitting time at the left tackle spot between Frank Phillip, number 76, um, who's yep. been around forever. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jared Christian Lichten, uh, Lichtenham, yes. Lichtenheim. Lichtenham. His nickname is Tank, if that's easier for you. Oh, great. Um, he's just, his name is so long. It doesn't fit on my sheet. I just have <laughs> Christian Lichten something. Yes. Um, yeah. He's six ten. Um, you yes. know, he's, he's certainly tall. Um, natural three eighty. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, uh, but none of the tackles <laughs> real great out real hot on my tally nope. sheet. Um, in fact, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by the how big the difference is between the guard um, grades, you know, the, the guard center grades and the the tackle grades. Uh, it sounds like you've been seeing the same thing. Yeah, this has been in this has been in the works for 
ever. Like, just see you as not recruited enough tackles for for this to be a good year at the tackle position, and that continues to be true. Um, and I was expecting a pretty big. I think the interior of the lines actually at least Pac-12 average. Um, mm-hmm. I think Casey Roddick is has really done well this year um, and done a good job keeping his weight in check. I think Tommy Brown was a good pickup from Alabama. He's not been a complete program changer, but he's solid. I think he does his job a lot. Um, and the center has some nice, interesting pieces. There's also, I think, pretty good depth on the interior side of the line. A lot of pieces you can rotate through that I don't think you lose too much dropping off. Um, don't think that's true on the tackle side. And that's and I don't even like the starters that much. So, like, Jake Wiley has to stay healthy, lengthy he has so far. Um, but I don't think he's done that well regardless. He's still – he was a huge developmental piece that played way too early last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is continues to be true this year. Like, I think he would be one of those guys that comes in as like a redshirt junior one time and just does really well, but he's just not there yet. You know, he's 260 coming out of high school. It just takes a long time for someone to get used to, to being a, a Pac-12 size tackle or Power 5 size tackle and still being able to move. Um, and then compared to that, you know, Tank Lichtenhan has foot speed issues because he's gigantic. Um, yeah. I think he's done okay for his size there. Another hugely developmental piece. So he was the only power five program to offer him. So um, once again, thrown into the fire way too early, but not too bad. Um, I think given what I expected from him, just not up to par. Well, I basically Um, expected nothing out of this line. So the fact that like half the time they look competent has been like, I I can't help but agree with you. It's better than last year because last (laughs) year it was like, Oh yes. my God, <laughs> you know, less Kyle Devan. Uh, he yeah. is, is semi-competent. Yeah. Well, but, but here's the crazy thing. Usually we, you know, when I see offensive lines that I would describe as like, you know, modestly effective, it's because they're modestly effective on every play. Um, and this line, it's like, it's like I'm seeing a really great line on one play and then literally the next play, <laughs> you know, I think you saw that tweet that I sent out. That wasn't cherry pick. Like that was, that's pretty representative. Oh, like, I've watched the games <laughs> where I mean, oh, I know. <laughs> do you, I mean, just like my JT Sharp question, like, do you, have you detected any rhyme or reason for why it's like, wow, you look like world beaters on one play and you look like just the keystone cops on the next play. Um, I think, yeah, I, well, I, I, stunts, I don't think mess them up too much, but I think some slants definitely can screw them up. Um, I think if they play just straight up, like they'll be mostly okay. But, um, anytime you, you get ends or especially interior guys with quickness, it really can mess with them. Um, and especially if that's used in a weird slant or alignment. Um, so it, it to me, it feels like Kyle Devan's kind of installed the basics of like, Here's how you block a guy who's in front of you and trying to stay in front of you. Um, and, and everything past that is hard. Um, and part of that's due to the negligence and coaching of the, of the prior coach, um, in my opinion. Well, so. definitely. I mean, we're also not talking about the most talented guys in the world. You know, we're, we're talking yes. about like, you know, low to mid three stars, you know, across the board with the exception of so um, you, Brown right. who came in from Alabama. But with that line like that, you have to develop them. Like that, that's the yeah. way to get them to play better is if you can develop them. Um, and, and it, that just takes time. Um, I like some of the pieces and it's, he going to have to dig out the tackle hole for a long time, but, um, right. There's no, there's no quick fix. I'm going to reference him again. Penny Sewell's who could, will just be like, I'm 17 and I'm the best player in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one like that's walking through the door. So, yeah. I, 
you know, in general on offense, you know, I, I've already said it, but like, I, I really think that more than anything else, this is just going to be a, a test for Oregon's like rush defense. You know, I think that Colorado is going to try to just like to run the ball um, and, uh, and try to keep the ball out of Bo Nix's hands. Um, and I think that's going to come down to the offensive line and, you know, I, I you know, I guess, I, you know, I am interested to see how that goes. I think that Oregon's got a decent rush defense, but like Colorado's offensive line definitely has me scratching my head um, a lot. Um, do you, is that how you see that? Like, I'm not asking you for a prediction on how this game is going to go, but, or like the outcome or the scoreboard or yeah. anything, but, but just like, do you think that that adequately describes what the shape of Colorado's strategy is going to be and where the game is going to, you know, turn is on that performance that the Colorado offensive line versus the Oregon defensive front. They absolutely will try to run straight at Oregon first um, and then run like weird, edge plays second i don't i think trying to attack the middle of the field or throwing the ball downfield would be the last thing they want to do mm. um but you know you enough third and tens are going to do it um so yeah i i think they're going to try to start playing straight up i think they also trust Deion smith the most out of anyone on offense which i would too that makes sense so um they're going to i think try to give him a pretty heavy dosage here um but i yeah i i I think you're right. This is this will be a battle up front first. I you know, I you didn't ask, but I don't like to see his chances in that battle. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, maybe out of loyalty they'll they'll throw a few bones at Christian Gonzalez, see if they can get him some INTs um, for the draft. <laughs> hey, podcast listener. Hey come you. over here. Come yeah. over here. Get over here, yeah. pod- Nice headphones you got in here. Oh, yeah, I like those, Chevy. Be a shame if something were to happen to those headphones, eh? <laughs> Stomped them on the ground, eh? Be real easy to avoid that smashing if you went over to the Quack12 Twitter account and gave us a little follow. Just a little follow, that's all we're asking. And hey, look at that. I hear you listening to your new podcast apps in your car, huh? Driving home, making the long journey feel a little shorter, eh? Is that what he's doing there, bud? (laughs) Yeah, turning your three-hour drive into a nice little vacation, huh? Be a shame if your car ended up on the bottom of a lake. Splash. Splash maybe with you in the trunk of it, huh? Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. Maybe all that can be avoided with a little trip to the quack. 12 page on Apple Podcasts. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcast, Quack 12, give us internet. five stars. Yeah, the internet. You got it, bud. Five stars. Leave us a little comment. Help other people find it. Maybe it'll help people find you when they find out that you're gone missing. If you catch my drift. You seen the posters on the telephone poles? Yeah, those are those are people that didn't give us fucking five stars. Some of them did, and we did it anyways. And then uh, you know, uh, oh hey, hey look at look at this podcast listener on their long inner inner uh, continental flight, making things not so bad. Not wanting to hear that baby by covering it up. Wah wah, so they say, putting on them headphones. Trying to get the sky waitress's attention. Get over here. Give me more of that. 
Quack 12 podcast. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you? Yeah, you want some more of that Quack 12 podcast, don't you? Yeah. You want to buy some more from us, don't you? Get it. Otherwise, you know, because if you don't buy this Quack 12 podcast insurance, you never know when your plane's going to go straight down into the water, into the old Atlantic, never to be seen again. Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. In case you don't want to be part of the rock and roller club of the bottom of the fucking ocean, then I recommend you go to the Quack 12 Patreon. Come on, come on. Why don't you go to the Quack 12 Patreon, give us five smackaroos, and for that we can forget about the whole nasty business have you on your way. We'll forget about it. We'll forget about it, all right? Five measly dollars, that's all I got. Now listen up, punk. Because it looks like you're not seeing so good right now. My boss is talking to you, chump. Aren't you chump? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. All right, let him, let him go, Mikey, let him go. In the bottom of the fucking ocean. Ayo! Quack, quack! Uh, Alright, let's switch over and talk about the defense. Okay. Oh, boy. So, this one, as I alluded to earlier, it's really interesting how the numbers change at the bye week break. Um, well, first of all, the past defense numbers don't change at all. Um, it, they're, I mean, I swear they're, to- they're exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, about 49%, you know, defensive efficiency, meaning opponents only win on about 51% of their plays. Um, but they're giving up about eight yards, uh, a pass attempt adjusted and uh, about 18% go explosive. Um, so like it's, it's an okay unit, but it's not great um you know on past defense and then but the you know like i said kind of crazy like even though you know there's definitely been some you know changes in the way that they're coached and the way that they're lining up in particular they're playing back a lot more like they're they're really like dropping the safeties out and they're just trying to keep you from hitting explosive passes against them um but like yeah the past defense numbers don't really change uh i'll stop there does that line up with your observations um I think the pass defense numbers not changing is actually a pretty big win for Gerald Chapman um, because the rush defense numbers certainly have. Um, it, it, so the fact that's, that those yards aren't going elsewhere, they're just disappearing from the field, is a, is a win. Um, but, yeah, this is the, the pass defense is definitely a little more conservative now. I think we're noticing the cornerbacks a little bit more, which is good. Um, we're making it a little bit easier for them because CU secondary is dangerously young. So mm-hmm. uh, I like that that's happening. Um, but yes, I think that's mostly true. They definitely simplify the defense a lot more during the bye week. Um, and for a young defense, you know, every single defensive coordinator says they're going to play simple, fast football, but that mm-hmm. is what happened. Um, at least definitely simpler. Um, and I think I'm noticing less hesitation from these young players because of that. Here is the crazy thing, though. The rush defense changes dramatically between the first five games and the last three games. Like, I mean, I've never seen a transformation like this. It is (laughs) insane. Um, I I mean, it's they're 20 or 19 points more efficient in rush defense over the last three weeks than they were in the first five weeks. They are giving up, uh, you know, it's 11 percentage points different in explosive runs uh, giving up. And like, this is the one that really blows my mind. Uh, 
uh, bef- before the bye week, they were giving up 7.86 yards per carry, which is a crazy. Oh, number. yeah, baby. After, after the bye week, they're giving up <laughs> 3.63 yards per carry, which is a crazy good number. Yep. It, a difference of 4.23 yards per carry uh, across the bye week. Like, that's, I mean, I'm not kidding. I've never seen anything like that before. Some of competition, of course, but yes. Right. Well, yeah. that's the thing that's difficult to tease out of this. So, so like, the, buckle up, because this is going to take a while to spit out. Okay. So, th- those first five games that, you know, Chris Wilson is the defensive coordinator for, here's the problem. Four of the, the first four of them, Air Force, uh, TCU, yep. Minnesota, and UCLA, are right now ranked, you know, all four of those are in the top 15 for rushing yards per game. They're mm-hmm. all really good rushing offenses or at least really reliant on the rush. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, yeah, your rush defense is going to look bad against those teams. Um, and then the three teams that they play, you know, after the bye week under Gerald Chapman, uh, it's Cal at 106, uh, ASU at 88, and then Oregon State is at 30, which is like, um, is above average, but it's it, they're not as killer of a run team as they have been in, in in the recent past. Um, so like, and for anybody who's listening to this, who's like, wait a minute, how can Cal and ASU be such bad rushing teams because they have really good running backs? You know, Jade Knott for Cal and X Validate for Arizona yes. State, and like I agree that those guys are pretty good running backs, but I mean the numbers don't lie; they're just not leaning on the. I mean, Jade Knott was shut down against CU. Yeah, I will say that he totally was. Um. And so, but, and then, but we have like, but we've got like two game, you know, so it's like, okay, so maybe the Wilson is a bad coach, but on the other hand, he faced, you know, four of the best rushing offenses in the country. And maybe Gerald Chapman is, you know, really good rush, you know, defense coach. On the other hand, maybe he just faced, you know, some rush defense or offenses that aren't very good, you know, um, but we have a couple of like different games. So like, Wilson, his last game was against Arizona. Arizona's 85 um, in rush yards per game. So, like, how well did he do against them? Not bad, like 47% rush efficiency. Like, he's still giving up explosive plays, though. Um, And whereas Chapman against Oregon State, like, not very good rush efficiency, but he is stopping explosive plays. Like, they, they, you know, it was just like, you know, 4.25 yards of carry for Oregon State and, and only nine and a half went explosive. So, like, and then, you know, also I've been like charting games for a really long time. And basically here's, here's, here's where I'm at. Uh, you know, I want to know what your opinion is on this is that like, I think that your stuff rate, you know, the extent to which you absolutely just stop the opposing offense from running the ball. Like, you know, they only get one or two yards. They're not converting third downs. So your, your success rate yeah. is determined by players, not coaches, you know, and, you know, there's just nothing that, that Chapman's able to do about that. He's dealing with the same front. And so of course, you know, the, the success rate doesn't change that much, but uh, and so when, you know, when, when you, or it's just, it's determined by how good the rushing offense they're playing is, um, you know, so Colorado is going to shut down bad rushing offenses. They're going to get run over by good rushing offenses, but the difference, and I really do think the coaching matters here. And I'm wanting to know if, if you're seeing the same thing is that I think that where Chapman has been successful and Wilson was not successful and that this persists regardless of the opponent quality is Wilson is letting efficiency runs turn into explosive runs and Chapman is not. 
he's you know yeah they're still getting you know good rushing offenses are still getting like five yards a carry but they're only getting five yards a carry they're not turning into like 10 20 40 yard runs and if you look at colorado's rush defense in those first four games that's what was really killing them is they're constantly giving up like 40 yard runs Mm -hmm. and those pretty much stop at the bye week um i'll stop there does that does that match up with your observations yeah, I think to answer your original original question, it's like a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Chris Wilson definitely faced harder rush or rushing offenses as a defensive coordinator, but also they looked really good. And I'm willing to bet that some of their the fact that they are ranked so high is because they were just dumping yards on CU. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yes, that is true. They played really hard teams to play, um, but. You know, like like you mentioned, Zach Charbonnet was turning his normal like eight yard turn into like eighty yard, yeah. you know, gallops, and that's where you got issues. Um, same thing with Chapman. I don't, you know, Jail Chapman's never been a defensive coordinator before. I don't think CU just stumbled off. He's like, really the young. End. He's like thir- yeah, thirty four. Yeah, and he sort of like kind of kind of fell backwards into this job. It's yes. kind of crazy. He was two lanes defensive line coach for two weeks. And then yeah. Vic Suoto left CU for Cal after being hired for an, uh, a month. So mm-hmm. another weird area. And then Chapman came in um, and, you know, the players respond to him, but more importantly, a little bit of calm, a little bit of calm B he's playing worse teams, but I also think his scheme has allowed teams that are not as good at running to be that. Um, if that makes sense. Like, I personally really think the CU defensive line is the best unit on the team. And I think they finally have looked like that in the last three weeks compared to the weeks prior. Um, I think a lot of that is scheme and confidence in themselves. So whatever you want to call that, you know, I don't know. But, um, like, for for now, I'm willing to bet the CU's run defense has gotten better because the front seven that, C, that CU has has played like I think they should have. Well, it's guys that we, you know, have been around forever, right? Like, yeah. you know, Jalen Sammy, um, uh, Terrence Lang, I can't believe is still on the team. Like, I think he came, joined the team, the Mama administration. Like, um, <laughs> he was, I believe, a blue shirt in 2017. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. I, I like the defensive line. Um, I, I uh, you know, th- there, there are certain plays you can beat him with, but like, just like pounding it, you know, uh, up the middle is like, they're pretty decent at at stopping that or at the very least i think you know especially in the last three weeks you know the safeties have been um more reactive you know like they they come down and shut plays down um you know before they can really explode um and and you know they they are helping the defensive line rather than hurting them which is how i would characterize it in you know in the previous games Mm -hmm. um and then i also think that the 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 changes to the inside linebacker group has been um well, it's been helpful against the run. I, I guess I'll put it that way. Like, um, like uh, you know, so I, I'm seeing um, all the the transfer from West Virginia, Josh Chandler, uh, Semedo a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing Quinn Perry a lot, which I expected. I'm seeing mm-hmm. uh, Marvin Ham, you know, as the backup guy, um, not yes. Robert Barnes, which I guess that's sort of been a bit of a surprise. Um, but like, uh, I think these guys are really good um, in run support. But I. I uh, well, I'll stop there. Do you agree? Do you think they're good in run support? I think the three you mentioned are, yes. I mean, Robert Barnes was catastrophic earlier yeah. in the year. So um, whenever it took to, to put him in a better role, then yes, that was a good call. 
I think what I'm noticing, though, and, and what I, you know, I, I definitely saw over the last two weeks, I didn't see it so much against Cal, but, you know, Cal's offense. Um, yeah. But against Oregon State's offense and against Arizona State's offense, the thing that I was noticing more than anything else is I think that they are trying that, that basically in order to prevent explosive plays, they are putting more pressure on the inside linebackers to play in pass coverage. Um, I, I think that their responsibilities have gone up under uh, Gerald Chapman. And I think uh, the problem that both Oregon state and Arizona state exploited is that I don't like any of these guys in pass coverage. I think all three of them are big liabilities um, and that you can pass over the middle um, against these inside linebackers all day long. And that that's like the big vulnerability that Colorado presents defensively. I'll stop there. What do you think about that theory? Um, I think if you watch, <laughs> he's, yeah, so you chart more than I am. I am not reviewing these games in any sort of detail, but watching the Arizona State game, painfully obvious that the um, t- Taylor Borgo's whole plan was to throw against the linebacker when the tight end was there, and it worked really, really well. Um, so, yes, I, I feel like they are being exposed a bit in pass defense, and they're also being asked to do that more. Um, which is leading to very not good outcomes um, when someone's smart enough to uh, take advantage. You got a cat attacking you? I don't know what that was. Um, Let's talk about the secondary. Um, uh, I've been seeing, uh, I think, number six, Nico Reed. Yes. um, And I think number zero, Kalen Moore. Yes. As the cornerbacks. Did I miss anybody? Uh, Those are the two main ones. You also see Tyron Taylor and Jason Oliver. Um, as well as Simeon Harris. So there's all freshmen or retro freshmen or whatever. What do you think about those guys? I think for, so <laughs> this will sound spiteful. I swear it's not. Um, I think if you have people like Makai Blackman and Christian Gonzalez who are coming in to play their last seasons of college, they look <laughs> really good as a young, talented uh, group behind them. Um, you know, as, as not, as, as those guys have left, they have, been forced to play more um and that has led to um some lapses but uh yeah as as young guns behind two established starters they would be fantastic there are no established starters so now they're they are the young starters and there's some good and some bad with that um what have you thought about trevor woods i he's my favorite player on the team i love trevor woods um so he might not, I guess, I'm not, I'm not charting him, but leading tackle on the team, I think he plays with a lot of fire. And he, I, I said this when he signed. I said this last offseason, I think, when you asked me one of my favorite players. I just He just is like a football guy. I don't know how to describe it. It's such a lame thing to say. But, like, you just watch him, and you're like, yeah, like I just know how to play football. Like, he, it feels like he's in the spots he needs to be most of the time. It feels like he's helping his teammates. He's making the plays he needs to make from time to time. He has a pick and a fumble. Like, I don't know. I feel like he's really solid um, and just nice safety body too. Um, can, can really lay the wood if he needs to. Well, I guess the reason why I'm asking about the secondary um, and, and what your opinions are is because I don't really have very strong opinions about them. Like the, and like, I, I don't have a super high opinion about Trevor Woods largely because the only time I ever see him is when some play is, you know, going big and he's got to make the tackle and, you know, he doesn't grade up very well on my tally sheet for that. Um, but like, I hardly see six or zero at all. 
Um, like mm-hmm. I really had to go digging to find something. Now, in my opinion, that's because they're um, uh, Colorado's last two opponents have just been attacking the middle of the field, you know, just been attacking the linebackers, you know, and so like they don't really need to test the deep shots, you know, down the sideline. Um, but like I, I really, you know, honestly, it's the biggest question mark for me on the team is I really don't have a strong opinion about how good or not you know uh, Colorado secondary is and I'm willing just take your word for it like if you had to rank them one to 12 in the pack 12 where would you place them uh eighth I think mm. uh I, I have no strong numbers about who's below them um I I think there have been I don't I, the other thing like you said is that how often are they tested um yeah. like it, Teams don't have to throw the ball against CU most of the time. They haven't. So it's like they, there really wasn't much. And then Arizona State did a lot of their damage through the tight end. So um, it really wasn't – there hasn't been much, like you mentioned. I really like Kayla Moore. I think he can be an NFL guy with the right development. Um, and I think Nico Reed is really fast and, and kind of sticky sometimes. He does. He's pretty quick. I do notice um, a good deal of foot speed out of Nico Reed. Yes. I, I think Caleb Moore is kind of a bulldog. I really would like to see him in, in a nickel spot if you can find another boundary corner. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they'll be good next year um, or, or in two years from now, maybe if, if no one transfers. But for now, I, I really wish there were more steady hands. Well, it's just, you know, I. The reason that I don't have strong, well, you said it already. I don't have strong opinions about the secondary because the, you know, no team has really had to test them. Like the first four opponents just wanted to run the ball, right? You know, uh, uh, TCU, Air Force, Minnesota, UCLA just wanted to run. Um, and they found a receptive defense and they let them run. And so why would you do anything else? And then Arizona, I had to do a whole film study project in Arizona because that was Oregon's first uh, uh, road game. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was their last road game before the bye week. Um, but I had a lot of film on them and I had, you know, one of, and one of them was the Colorado game. And, and, you know, it was very obvious that Arizona wants to hit those in breaking routes into the middle of the field where guess what they're attacking the inside linebackers. And then that's what Cal wanted to do. And then that's what Arizona state wanted to do. And Oregon state wanted to run the ball. And, and they sort of felt like they had Oregon state sort of found that they needed to take a middle approach because like they weren't getting, um, huge gains in the run game. And so they'd have to throw the ball and guess who they threw against, you know? So like, you know, they, with the exception of Cal and Cal had a weird game against Colorado, obviously, like I don't Mm -hmm. need to, you know, but like, you know, Oregon just played a game against Cal and I don't know if you watch that game, but nobody reads my Cal preview articles. Every year I write something about Cal. That's like, you need to look out for this aspect of the Cal team that like, they're actually fairly scary about. And then no one pays attention to me. And then it happens in the game against Oregon. They're like, how could this happen? You didn't warn me. And I'm like, bitch. Yes, I did. Um, (laughs) And so for Cal, that's Jack Plummer hitting deep passes to some pretty good wide receivers down the sidelines against the cornerbacks. And, um, and sure enough, he hit a couple of them against Oregon and he hit them against just about every other team that Cal played. You know what the exception is? You know what the one team Cal Jack Plummer at Cal did not hit deep passes down the sideline against? Is it Colorado? Was it the Colorado Buffalo? And so I'm sort of thinking like maybe low key, nobody knows it, but maybe Colorado's got really great cornerbacks. <laughs> 
I like the look of them. Um, yeah, and you know maybe the the CU Oregon DB coach transfer switch whatever worked mm-hmm. out for both sides. Um, I I don't think Rod Chance has done a bad job here. So um, yeah, I I don't know. I I don't think that I don't know, man. I that's crazy to me that Plummer's hitting that many shots because he did not look good against CU. I know, and, and I, not, I don't blame yeah. you for not thinking that that guy is a great quarterback if that's your only exposure to him. But like, I'm telling you, in seven out of the other eight games or whatever it was that he played, like, yeah, that's the best part of Cal's football team is Jack Plummer hitting deep shots down yeah, the sideline, and good. the one exception was Cal, and I, or excuse me, was Colorado. I'm <laughs> just like, maybe Rod Chance is a miracle. Miracle worker. Yeah, well, hey, maybe. Um, like you said, we have not had a chance really. And well, I honestly, right. looking like you're... at the next four teams, I don't know if we will. I don't know if we'll know. <laughs> I don't know. It, may, it, it maybe makes me think that they have a shot against Washington because, like, Washington has nothing else going. Their defense sucks and their rush offense sucks. The one thing that they have are a couple of good outside receivers, Odunze and McMillan. And if Colorado, unbeknownst to anyone except for you and me, Jack, and Rod Chance, <laughs> and and more and, 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 and read, I guess, yeah. <laughs> like if the, if, uh, if us five are the only human beings who know that secretly Colorado has excellent outside cornerbacks and can shut down Washington, I don't know, Vegas, are you listening? Like <laughs> that would be, that would make two inexplicable losses in a row for Washington against CU, um, which would be funny. I so mean, they I have not, it. they haven't won since 2018. That's hilarious. Um, wow, that's really not good for them. <laughs> um, they should try doing that. It works for almost every other team in the conference. <laughs> All right. Well, Jack Barsh of the Ralphie Report once again joins us. Um, you know, we we weren't a podcast in two th- 2016, but mm-hmm. if we would have had you on in 2016, you probably would have been ju- you would have been saying, "Oh, we don't have a chance against Dakota Prukop." Of course, we're gonna lose in Eugene. The legend. But then Stephen Montez, the Ducks wearing the duck uniform too. That's like, right. Yeah, the, the, first... the greatest. Like they yeah. ruined my favorite uniform. Period. Because we never wear them anymore. Sorry. Yeah. Not really well, though. Steven Montez, Philip Lindsay, these two will, they're not dead, but they will possess <laughs> your team this Saturday and okay. uh, make all us Duck fans humiliated and humbled. Um, and we hope to have you back on for that upset victory. Um, you know, I guess, yeah, if you are, if you are claiming an upset victory, 30 point spread, I'll make some money right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. We've never uh, been wrong in the past. I, you know, I guess it, my closing rant is mm-hmm. to me, the season is already semi-successful because Carl Durrell has been let go, um, <laughs> which is the first step towards, you know, reclamation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first and, step is always admitting that you have a problem. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, it seems like there is administration in place now that truly does value what a football program can do, uh, which is another good step. And um, I hope that shows out as well. The other last thing that's a nice thing about this year is the coaching market is relatively favorable for CU. Um, so yeah. I'm pretty excited about the level of candidate that could come CU's way. Um, Brian but, Harson to CU. Is that, is that well, what that's not an exciting. I wouldn't say that's one of the names that would be exciting <laughs> me. About Wait, hold on. Colorado has done so well with former Boise State head coaches before. That's right. right? <laughs> that's right. Let's, let's zig when everyone else is zagging and hire Dirk Cutter, uh, mm-hmm. the original Boise State head coach. Um, 
yeah, I, I, that, that's my closing thought. So CU might go 1-11 this year, which is not new territory, even in the Pac-12 for CU. Um, but the fact that at the end of the day, we, there will be a new leader for the Colorado Buffaloes, and given that it's 1-11, it's probably not Mike Sanford either, um, is a good sign. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That's Regardless of how – I'm in a good spot right now as a fan. Um, I can just enjoy the rest of the year, hope the young talent shows out, doesn't transfer, um, and, and, you know – Wait for the fun. I, I love doing hot boards. So it's been there fun watching like 20 other teams in the country. There you go. Well, uh, we're in a good position as a podcast because we got Jack Barsh back on here. Nice to talk to you as always. And then uh, please go over to Twitter at Hithliday1 is where you can find Hithliday tweeting and such. Addicted to Quack is where you can find his articles, Duck mm-hmm. Dive, Duck Tape, all those really great uh, dives into the Pac-12 foes, and again, the Ralphie Report. What are you doing? Get over there right now. <laughs> read um, the hot board. Yeah. Have yeah. either of you read the hot board? Not yet. I did see it. I looked at the title. That's, Sweet. I mean, that's basically that reading I read it long <laughs> enough to come up with a Dan Hawkins joke. That was it. There we go. I guess um, I literally just clicked on it again, so there's another one. Please, well, yes, and if any of the listeners do so, I will be eternally grateful. And I mean, we're what is Dan Hawkins account? doing nowadays? He's UC Davis' head coach. Zero yeah. Aggies. Davis is, Davis is doing okay. They're not bad. I would prefer two other Big Sky head coaches, um, but, you know, they aren't you, bad. You want Troy Taylor? You got to fight. Uh, he is one of those two. Um, you got to fight Cal for him. Cal really wants him. That would make sense. He is. He was good for them. But Colorado's got a, je- a head start. They already fired Carl Burrell, and Cal's still in denial about Justin Wilcox. So. They, I believe they would owe him a lot of money, thanks to Oregon, if they fired yep. Justin Wilcox. Um, I, Jim you know. Levitt. He's tuned in. He's ready to go. <laughs> Don't get to ever meet any ideas, man. He definitely punches above his weight class. <laughs> there it is. Um, I, I don't know how long you're going to keep me going here, Adam, but I could talk okay. about Okay, I got to cut this off. There you yeah, go. I, I'm done. Uh, especially, I don't want to hear about the team that's going to be Oregon Saturday on. Okay, uh, we'll see you next week. Go Ducks, go Buffs, quack, quack, grass eating sound. See y'all next week. <laughs>